Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In this episode, I am joined by Jim Goldstein. Is that how you say it, Jim? Goldstein? That is. Okay, good. From from cloud backup service provider Backblaze to talk about this seriously important topic of online backup for photographers. So welcome, Jim. Why don't you take a couple minutes here to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, I'm Jim Goldstein. I'm the director of marketing at Backblaze. I'm also a, a former professional photographer, so I can relate quite a bit with uh, a lot of the topics that are being discussed on Photo Taco. And uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. You just recently went and shot the eclipse, right? Um, I intentionally did not shoot oh. the eclipse. Um, I went with my kids and, um, one of the things I've transitioned from is taking my photography centric brain and using all the location scouting and all that stuff and applying it towards just making the most awesome experience possible for my kids oh, very cool. uh, to experience things and get them interested in the outdoors. And so far so good. Nice. I like it. That's very cool. <coughs> yeah, all, right. Yeah. all right. So before we get into the meat of this episode, um, I need to let the listeners know that even though this may sound a whole lot like this entire episode is a paid ad for Backblaze, it isn't. I reached out to the Backblaze team, asked if they were interested in coming on the show to talk about online backup because I've had quite a few questions from listeners about cloud backup. And I've been a very happily paying customer of Backblaze since about 2014. So Jim graciously accepted that invitation to discuss the important topic. We are going to talk specifically about Backblaze in some areas today as one of the cloud backup providers out there. But the most important thing that I want you to get out of this episode is that backup for photographers is not something you should ignore. <laughs> you really need to consider your backup solution and you need to do it before a disaster forces you to think about it. So if you don't think Backblaze is right for you, no problem. This is not an ad for them, but please, please, please think about your backup solution for your photos and work out some kind of a workflow to get that backup. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. The whole topic became kind of a bit more real for me this last week. So I, I've been working with Jim, we've been scheduling how to get this episode recorded, but a friend of mine called me very panicked late late the last week as I, after I, as I record this, and he's a dentist. He had a hard drive with all of the important data for his business and it failed. And he called me in a panic to see if there's anything I could do with it. I'm like the geekiest guy he knows, I think. So so he started, wanted to see if I could do anything with it. I got the drive out of the computer, and the second I fired up, I knew we were in trouble because there was this very audible, clicking, bad, nasty sound that hard drives should never make. And I spent about 20 hours throwing all kinds of software solutions at it and just couldn't pull anything from the drive. So uh, now he's facing having to get it in the hands of a professional data recovery service who can like replace, replace hardware components on the drive and try to see if they can resurrect the data from there. And it's going to cost him, but it's really valuable information. He tells me he's got invoices on there. They're probably on the order of $100,000 worth of, of outstanding invoices, and he really needs that data. So he's going to have to go do that. So it's cautionary tale. All of these hard drives, even SSDs, they're all ticking time bombs just waiting to die. <laughs> That's how you should consider them. They don't last forever and you've got to have a backup solution. Now, if you don't know where to start at all on a storage workflow that includes backup, you need to check out an article I wrote back in 2015 called The Ultimate Backup Workflow 
for photographers. And even though it's about two years old now, the information is still very relevant. Not much has changed in the last two years in uh, in the ways of, of setting up a backup. It walks through kind of the three, two, one backup strategies, kind of important thing to understand. Uh, go through that article in detail. We're not going to dive too much into what that means today. Go read the article. Uh, there's also some other Photo Taco podcast episodes I will link to in the show notes that you can uh, check out to get some more information on that. But basically, it's a really sound strategy to survive all types of failures, even large catastrophes like fire and flood. All right, with that said, Jim, I got a number of questions I want to go over with you. And if you're ready, I'd like to go through them kind of generically at first and then maybe include a bit more detail about Backblaze specifically. Sure. Hit me. All right, first one up. These are the questions that mostly I came up with, but Jim added some too. So I have been asked questions about how photographers should do backups countless times by listeners. And they either get interested because a drive died or they hear a cautionary tale like the one I just shared about my dentist friend. And, uh, and they don't want to be one of those. So either way, most of the listeners are photographers and they are not computer experts. So setting up backup is really scary for them. And I have that article out on proofphotography.com to help. But what advice do you have about helping photographers to get that crucial one part of 321 or just kind of get going on backup? Um, sure. So... Um, so let's start off just in case people are coming into this cold three, two, one strategy means having three total copies of your data, two of which are on uh, local, but different mediums. Right. Um, and, uh, one copy offsite. So that's pretty important to know right off the bat. Um, usually what I recommend for people to do to kind of just get established because it can be pretty overwhelming is, uh, just start with the basics, uh, look at what your uh, initial setup currently is and see what you need to uh, add to get yourself to the three part of the three, two, one. And then uh, from there, you know, go to the two. Like, so don't make it overwhelming. Do it in incremental stages right. and, um, and see what you can do to slowly get yourself there. It can be a pretty costly endeavor if you're just starting <laughs> out uh, cold. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. And everybody starts at this point, so don't feel too self-conscious about it. Um, I myself have suffered uh, close calls with data loss. I've, I've been very paranoid from the very beginning, uh, back from college on, and then have applied that paranoia into practice <laughs> for most of my stuff. Um, and I've had, like your dentist friend, I've had mechanical hard drive failures, yeah. although that's, oh, that's particularly terrible. rare these days. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, and like you have written, the three, two, one uh, backup strategy is uh, uh, the best practice. And I would just go slow and don't break the bank in doing it, but just make sure that you have the safeguards in place to start. Right. And I stress in the article, again, we're not going to dive into too much detail here on, on that because the article's got all the information in it. But automation is a big piece of it. At least I know for me, I, people set out to do this backup like, well, what I'm going to do is at the end of every month, I'm going to grab this external drive and I'm going to copy all my photos to it. And then I'll take it over to my neighbors or my friends or my family's house. And that sounds awesome. And if you do it, great. But it just almost never works. <laughs> you remember to do that every single month. And even if you do, what, how much in a month, uh, some especially prof professional photographers, that could be a lot of data to lose in a month's time frame. So automation yeah. is part of it. Trying to get something that can always be set up, always be copying your stuff, at least like nightly, and something that you don't have to manually do. 
So how Backblaze to me is a really important part of that. It not only offers the offsite backup and, and it could be any cloud service provider. So, so maybe not specific to Backblaze, but I personally find the Backblaze client that the little uh, application you can install on your computer, both Mac and Windows to, uh, to help with that being an important part of it because it can totally automate that. Yeah, the uh, the application for Backblaze is pretty seamless. It backs up everything, right? So it's not like you have to pick and choose what you want to back up. Um, it, in that, from that perspective, it makes it a lot easier than than most. Um, back to your point about automation, while the Backblaze um, cloud backup client does do that, um, there are ways that you can set up your kind of like foundational elements of the three two one backup strategy. Um, to, to use, it's not just automation, but it's also just the fundamentals of how hard drives work. So for example, my working drives where I download my photos and I edit them, review them, um, import them into Lightroom or, you know, another equivalent program. Um, I have that set up so that, uh, with my computer, you can set up a, like a software raid kind of thing. So I have two drives that are right next to each other that are mirrored basically. And so anything I copy over to those drives goes to two drives in the exact same, at the exact same time, excuse me, at the exact same time, um, and in a duplicate fashion. So if one of those two drives, you know, I'm hedging my bet that I'll have another as a backup. And then I have a whole nother mechanism for taking the data from there somewhere else, um, for an offsite backup. And, um, there's different strategies with this, but by and large, you know, I would look at, uh, the automation side of it from the perspective of how are your hard drives set up? Can you mirror your drives? Um, is there additional third party software that you can set up to, um, take, uh, recent files that have been created and move them offsite. There's also mechanisms through Backblaze to just be able to do this in the background. And uh, one thing that I didn't say earlier that goes back to your first question is that all of this is really uh, dependent on self-discipline. Um, there's there's planning that you can do and you can set things up in, in a certain way, but that's all going to be for naught if you're not disciplined in taking the backup seriously and trying to make sure that it's working um, all the time. And so Backblaze, the way that's particularly set up, just to go back to that really quick, is that when you download the application, for example, there's usually a fi- there is a 15-day trial, so anybody can try it and see how it works. Um, but just while it's going, you can even test to see how data recovery happens. You don't have to wait for everything to back up. And so the reason why I mention that is because between the self-discipline and making sure that it's all there, uh, in terms of how you're operating, you want to make sure that you're also testing the system that you have in place to make sure that things are working the way they should be so that when something catastrophic does happen, um, you have a higher confidence level that you're going to be able to get your data back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and, and I talk in the article about some tools to look at, both Mac and Windows, to help with the automation aspects we talked about. So we won't go any further into that one. Let's go on to the next question, which is uh, I, I've seen patterns from our listeners. They have kind of two types of challenges that they face with storage. So not talking backup specifically, but just like running out of drive space. And everyone seems to hit the walls at two different points. The first one, which is what this question is going to be about, it's the storage wall. It's, it's actually most easy to deal with. It's not that expensive to overcome, but it's when a photographer like first overflows the drive that's in their computer. 
a lot of photographers have like a laptop that they work from. And these days, a lot of these laptops come with very little storage to be able to have in, inside the computer. And so they, they run out of space. They, most of the time, they'll, they'll get like a Lightroom message that says, uh, can't import the photos, not enough disk space. And they, they're like, oh, no, what do I do? How do I, how do I fix this? And the answer is pretty easy because you can just add an external drive. So either USB 3.0 or Thunderbolt 3, USB 3.1 drives are coming. Um, there, there's good ways to have you know fast enough data connections to be able to do that. There's really large drives, like 8 terabytes or bigger, that are fairly cheap. They're fairly inexpensive. So solving the problem for the storage itself is pretty easy. But solving the problem to include backup is not. So what recommendations do you have on, on solving that problem, Jim? As, as someone, as a photographer who maybe just got an external drive because they ran out of space on their computer, and how, how should they approach getting backup set up with that external drive? Sure. Well, the one benefit with Backblaze is, as a specific example is that if you uh, plug in the drive, you have the means of having external drives backed up as well. Um, the requirement there is that the drive stays plugged in or at least once it's completely backed up is read by the application to be there at least once, you know, within a 30 day period. Um, otherwise it thinks that you're no longer using the drive and then it stops trying to look for it for backup. Um, but by and large, I mean, um, I would, uh, again, go back to like what your larger strategy is going to be for backup. I've been guilty of this where you just add on drives. And at some <laughs> right. point, what happens is you realize that, okay, great. Now I've got um, like five or six drives. My desk is a mess. I'm having a hard time finding things. And then organization of your files also becomes a real challenge. And then a lot of the consumer grade uh, external drives, while they are quite robust with a lot of the checksum capabilities that they have, um, they're still very prone to, um, you know, corruption or not working at some point. And the, the thing that we like to say at Backblaze is that it's not when a drive fails. Right, right. It's, you know, it's just... It is, or it's not if yeah, a drive fails, it's when, it's when. Yeah. and drives always, always fail. So, um, the fact that external drives are convenient, they, they are a bit of a patchwork solution. So be very, very careful. Know that they can be backed up with Backblaze. Um, but you're better off having kind of like a broader, uh, drive solution in place, like a, a raid or, um, a little bit more organization with a larger drive so that you're not dealing with a bunch of smaller drives. Yeah, so that's one of the parts of the Backblaze service. What I looked into, what's important to me, was external drives need to be covered. Not every online backup service does that. Some of them have the restriction that they will only back up internally connected drives. So be careful as you're shopping for an online service uh, for cloud backup that you, you check that out. Make sure that you understand if external drives will be able to be something you can back up. The other caution that I have for the listeners there would be um, putting your, your photos on an external drive, that means that photo exists in only one spot. So you may need to, as you go to solve this problem, it may require you get at least two of them so that you can have it on two drives. And that's going to take some 
some uh, discipline to make that happen too, unless you can have both of them attached at the same time, which might be possible, and use some kind of automated solution to copy between the two, like every night or something. It's it's a tough thing to solve. I know other people have talked about too, keeping the flashcards. <laughs> I'm just gonna, the flashcards gonna be the backup and they're cheap enough that they buy a bunch of them and they just don't take the photos off of the flashcards for a while either. As, a, as kind of having another backup solution, especially just the time it'll take then to get it backed up to the cloud. Um, that's their secondary uh, location for their files, which is okay. It's not great. Those flashcards can fail as well. Um, in fact, they, they might be a little more brittle than even a hard drive is in, in some cases. So, so that's a challenge. It's really hard, but at least Backblaze can help solve the problem and other services can too with the client being able to back up an external hard drive. So, but that does bring up, you, you talked about like five or six drives. That's the second wall that I was referring to. That's the other wall photographers hit. They solved this problem the first time. They had to, they overflowed their internal hard drive computer, uh, the, the hard drive in their computer, sorry. And they added the external drive, hopefully two, so that you have more than one, one location for those photos. Uh, but then you fill that up and now what are you going to do? And, and some, I've heard some strategies of like, well, I'm going to get a new hard drive every year and I'll put that year's photos on that drive. And then I'll just, you know, keep those drives around that can be a challenge too, because those drives, even sitting idle on the shelf will not last forever. Uh, so that it's, it's a real serious challenge. And the, the solution in general to the problem is a RAID system. And the challenge with that is, especially for the less technically inclined, they're not super easy to deal with. They, um, and they're very expensive to get into, at least initially. If you go to price these things, you're going to be a little surprised about how much it's going to cost for these, the enclosure itself, just the, the device that all these drives can be put into. But the idea is you put a bunch of drives, it can be five of them, six or two of them. And some, some of them just do two drives, but anywhere from two to, I think there's 16 drive units available now. And, uh, and you just, you fill it with, with drives and then the RAID array, the, the device can kind of copy the data across to multiple drives, depending on how you set it up. So that if one drive fails out of that, that system, you don't lose everything. And hopefully the system will have like a nice light on it that will say, you know, green is good and red is bad. And as soon as you see a red light, you got to order a new drive and uh, swap it out so that you won't lose anything. Um, but they, so they, they provide a couple of things there. They provide lots, a lot bigger size of storage. You can get many, many terabytes of storage, tens, twenties, <laughs> hundreds of terabytes of storage in these RAID systems. And they do provide a little bit more fault tolerance where you can withstand at least one drive failing and not lose everything. So those are some big advantages. The disadvantages can be, again, it can affect your backup strategy and they're um, they're expensive, and they're not. Uh, it, it's not something you should consider. That is your backup. Like just because you put it on a RAID system, doesn't mean you are immune to having a problem that could take it out. You could have more than one drive fail at once and cause a problem. You could have uh, fire flood, of course, impacted or or. Uh, someone stealing it would be another problem. Anyway, you still need the cloud aspects. So Jim, how, how can photographers, does that change anything when they go to maybe a RAID system, they've got so much storage now or so many photos, they need to get a RAID system to deal with it. How does that change things as far as online backup goes? Well, for us, our online backup, uh, personal backup system, um, 
which we've been talking about to date, is more for your internal drives and for any um, external uh, drives, not RAIDs. Uh, we do have a new service that we launched over a year ago called uh, Backblaze B2 Cloud Storage, and that will support uh, RAID backup. It's a little bit of a different price structure, uh, but by and large, it's very similar, and it allows for a lot of different functionality that's pretty cool. So there are uh, third-party integrations, different software components, and elements of RAID, uh, or excuse me, RAID manufacturers who have created software that allows for the sync of data off of RAIDs to go into uh, our B2 system. And just as a primer for what Backblaze B2 is, it's it's the underlying foundation of what Backblaze personal backup is built on. So you can use the exact same foundation of drives and redundancies that we provide in our data center as the storage location for your data directly, um, not with a middleman application of, or at least our middleman application. You can use um, Synology's sync functionality if you have a Synology RAID, or you can use um, the sync functionality within QNAP if you have a QNAP RAID. Um, so it provides a lot of uh, robust uh, backup solutions for these types of larger uh, storage solutions that people have at home. One thing that I will add to, to what you said is that, you know, RAID is bas basically a redundant array of independent disks. That's right. what RAID stands for. And um, one thing that I was really into when I was backing up my stuff and coming up with a plan was I was thinking like, well, I'll have, you know, like a RAID 5 system or a RAID 6 system, which... Um, Basically, the data is being striped across multiple drives, and there's enough overlap of data between the drives that if one fails, then you can replace that drive, and the other drives will have enough redundant information that it can rebuild yeah, right. the information that was on the lost drive. In some situations, you can do this with two or more drives. Uh, the downside with RAID 5 uh, is that it takes a long time to restore the drive locally. So while it, you will have the data there, you should take into consideration that it may take a long time to actually rebuild the drive depending on the size or the capacity of the drive. So what I did for my, my home uh, setup is that I, I opted for RAID 1, which was the mirrored drive solution. Mm -hmm. So I have an enclosure, I have two drives, I set it up so that it's, it's mirrored. And the benefit there is that if one of the drives dies, I can access all the information in full immediately. And restoring doesn't take as long because it's not scanning across as many drives. The right. downside is, is that I don't have as much fault tolerance so that if two drives fail, then that's bad news, right? So what I do is I have an offsite, which goes to the 321 strategy, and I have my stuff put on a Synology RAID um, offsite. And then in, an, in a dire emergency, I can access that remotely and that that raid is also backed up and synced to uh backblaze b2 so i have i actually have like a 322 <laughs> <laughs> right set up um so yeah and one thing that i'll also add is that we're talking a lot about the photos themselves um one thing that i think might be missing from your your write-up is that equally important is uh your image catalog sure. so if you're using lightroom um, or an equivalent, then you want to make sure that your catalogs are backed up as well and have them backed up in redundant places. Because what happens, like in my situation, I got into digital photography very, very early, um, you know, like the early 2000s. And uh, what I've learned over the years is that 
all of the ratings, all of the edits I've made to my photos, all that stuff. Like, yes, I could salvage all my photos, but then the prospect of going back over (laughs) a decade to try to resort and find an image that was rated highly or edited could take forever. So that's why backing up your image catalog is equally as important. Right. Yep. And, and so, right. Uh, I've got some photo taco episodes where we talked about that. So I'm not going to cover it again in this episode. So, but I'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, I got to remember to do that, but I'll, I'll do my best to remember to put the links in the show notes to those other episodes about how to handle backups with your uh, Lightroom catalog in particular. Um, okay. I, I do want to just, I had a listener question come up uh, or many of them actually over the last couple of weeks, which is kind of why, I, what prompted me to, to go and, and get you on the, on the line here, Jim. But um, one of the, the, a lot of them were saying, I just don't know where to start. I have, they, they've hit like that second wall. They finally bought a uh, Drobo, which actually, before I even go into this, I wanted to ask you, Jim, uh, I, I get with the, like NAS systems, the QNAP, the Synology or whatever, then, then you, you kind of need a little different thing to be able to work with backblaze. Is that any different with a direct attached thing like a Drobo? Um, well, we don't have yet a, a B2 integration with Drobo. Um, there's ways to actually have it as an attached drive. I believe it's recognized as an attached drive right. and it'll, and it'll get backed up to the personal backup solution, but I'd have to triple check on that one. I'm not hundred percent sure. I believe that, you know, they've been working with us for a long time in that capacity. Okay. Yeah. I expected it to just work. It'd look a lot like just an external drive to the computer. So yeah. Uh, so just back up that way. Okay. So the question was, how do I go from, okay, I bought the Drobo. Now what, what do I do? How do I, <laughs> how do I go from all these photos on different drives to using the Drobo? So I just want to give some very brief general advice there. Um, so connect the external drives and copy them to the RAID system or to, let's say the Drobo in particular. So that's, that's going to be, you're going to need to have both connected at once. Hopefully that's possible if not, you're gonna to to figure out how you're gonna how you can make that happen. You need both connected to your computer, and then use like uh, on Mac you use Finder or on Windows File Explorer to copy them for the photos from the external drives that you've been using over to the Drobo. And I say to use that, don't use don't and copy them, don't move them because if something goes wrong, you want to be able to have those original copies that are on the. The, the external drives available to, to try again. So don't move them, copy them, and don't do it in Lightroom. I used to recommend this years ago, and I've discovered uh, in talking with, uh, with my friend Victoria Bampton, who's the Lightroom queen, and she knows Lightroom far better than I do. Um, she's warned that Lightroom has forever had kind of a, an issue within it that they can't seem to figure out where it, on moving large quantities of photos, might delete a photo or two as you move it across. They just disappear. And they, they don't know why, of course, they'd want to fix that thing, figure it out. But she's warned, don't move large quantities of photos in Lightroom. So go do that outside of Lightroom in Finder or in Windows Explorer. And then, um, and then you launch Lightroom after you've copied everything over to that Drobo. So get all of your drives and copy them. It's going to take a while. In, in a lot of cases, the speed's just going to not be that fast. So you're going to have to spend some time to do this and copy them over to the Drobo. Um, you, 
a lot of photographers end up running into an organization problem too at that point where they realize the they changed their directory structures that they've used depending on which external drive it was on. So you might need to fix that as part of the process, which is going to take even more time, figure out how you're going to get them into it. In general, one of the structures, the folder structures that seems to work best as far as Lightroom goes, we have a root folder, something called like photos on the uh, the RAID system. And then have like a year subfolder under that and then do your your shoots that happen in that year under there. And the, one of the reasons to structure it that way is then you can, if you somehow do overgrow your RAID system, which definitely can happen, you can end up getting more photos than fit on your RAID array. Um, then you can move a year at a time off to something else or at least know that you have that year at a time archived off elsewhere and delete them from the RAID system to make room. Anyways, that's just some very general advice. I know it can be a bit scary for some of the photographers because there's a lot of technical details about connecting the drives and disconnecting them and how do I get them copied and everything. So there, there's the general advice. When you're done, you go into Lightroom and you're going to have question marks in the library module on all these folders and you go teach Lightroom where it is. You can right click on them and tell Lightroom where they are now on the RAID system. Okay. All right. So go ahead. One thing I would add there is that uh, I know we've been talking about Drobo, but Synology has an interesting thing where they have made their own version of uh, the RAID protocol and they they have it so that they've made it so that the RAID can be expanded. So if you start a RAID with like say five bays and you put one terabyte in there and you'll end up with something like three and a half gigabytes of total storage space um, and you start to fill that up, you can then start to slowly replace one to two drives at a time uh, with like a four terabyte drive. And then slowly you can grow the capacity of your overall RAID. So they've done a pretty ingenious, uh, they, they've taken a very ingenious approach in recognizing scalability issues. So Absolutely. that might be something for, for people to kind of investigate as well. Right. I know for me personally, Synology is the way I want to go. I don't even have one yet. I don't have enough photos that I have a problem fitting them on an external drive. And so so I'm covered and I have my 321 implemented with between internal and external drives and and backblaze but um I, yeah, they're it, surprising they're surprisingly simple yeah but uh, th right they can be i know it, lots of listeners have really struggled with even drobo and getting that set up so that it works correctly um let's take a quick break here and i want to thank the sponsor of this episode which is improved photography plus if you are enjoying this conversation you really need to consider subscribing to improvephotographyplus.com. Subscribers get access to every training and photography resource that has ever been produced by the Improved Photography team. And as we record this episode here in August 2017, a new video training course from Brent Bergherm of Brent Rents Lenses. Uh, he's created a video out there on how to clean and maintain your camera gear. It's an excellent, excellent video training. Uh, Jim Harmer also did a full day of portfolio reviews recently with all any of the IP Plus subscribers who could make time that day to get with him. Just a free part of the service uh, that was included with the subscription. There are hundreds of Lightroom presets. There are like sky replacement files available for download. It's an incredible value at only $19.95 a month. And you can start your free trial, free 14-day trial today by going to improvephotographyplus.com. Dot com. All right, so we got a whole bunch more questions. Over. We've already gone like almost a half hour here. So let's let's see if we can move a little faster. As I mentioned sure. at the top of the show, I've been paying. I've been a paying Backblaze customer since 2014. I've been very very happy with the service. 
it has been entirely worth the cost to me. It's, it's a really big factor. Um, Jim, so just so you know, I'm, I'm a, a hobbyist photographer. I'm not a pro. I do this part-time, and it's just more of a passion thing than it is uh, I'm trying to make a business out of it. In fact, I, I really am deliberately deciding not to make a business out of it because then it won't be a hobby anymore. It'll be work. Anyway, um, it's so, but I'm really sensitive to like price to performance. I, I really research a lot. I try to figure out what is actually worth spending my very small hobbyist budget <laughs> on things. And this has been one that's been worth it to me. So my own personal experience there, though, I had about a four terabyte library that I needed to back up. And that includes the Lightroom catalog. And it took like eight months to do that, to back up that amount of data. It was, okay, it was actually about three terabytes when I first started. It's up to four now. And, uh, you know, it's going over my Comcast connection that has five megabits up. And at first it started off really fast, but of course I, it got throttled. I'm sure Comcast had a big role in that. And it, it slowed to the point where it, it just really, it took eight full months before all of that was synced out to Backblaze. And um, so my question for you is what should listeners expect as far as how long it's going to take for them to back up their, their catalog or their library, their, uh, all their photos and catalog? Yeah, it really depends on the amount that you're backing up and what your local connection is like. Backblaze prides itself on never throttling uh, people uh, with their their uploads, uh, but you may have some limitations with your um, service provider. And um, one of the things that we've just released is an improvement to our client, which was all about speed. And now there's intelligent threading, which allows up to... 20 threads of uploads. So there's like 20 processes that can be running concurrently to help speed up uh, the process. And that translates on average now, we're seeing uploads of, you know, about 173 megabytes per second. So that's pretty good if you're, uh, if on your side you can, can handle that. Uh, one thing as a hobbyist that you can kind of do as a workaround is if your home connection is slow, but your work connection is fast, is you can take your laptop or your external drives. Um, and then assuming you can connect to your works network, um, that has a much faster connection than say your home network, uh, that might be a way to kind of speed up the process. Uh, but not everybody has a laptop and, you know, I don't know if you want to bring your workstation <laughs> right. to work over the weekend, but that's, but that's a possibility. Sure. Um, so, there okay. You so, but over home connection, um, pretty likely that the, the, whoever's providing your internet service, they're going to see, is that a common, I guess that's my question. Is it a common experience that as customers first get going, it's, it's going really fast. And, and then, you know, the, the time frame it looks like it's going to be only a couple of weeks and you're going to be updated. You're going to be backed up. And then the ISP throttles you and it, it makes it so it takes a lot longer than it looks like it should. Yeah. You just have to be aware of what the policies are for your internet provider. Some have caps, some will penalize you. It's rare these days, but it's still possible. So just brush up on what the limitations are with your, uh, service provider and plan, and then kind of go from there. The client, the Backblaze client allows you to specify times as well that the uploads right. are taking place. So if you're working during the day and you don't want your system bogged down with an upload, you have that as a possibility to say, you know, start uploads at like 11 p.m. Sure. Or, or something like that. And that actually, it, it did contribute to why it took longer because, yeah, if I, if I let it go full force, um, my internet became pretty unusable. <laughs> so, uh, so I did have to say during that time frame when I had so much to back up, I had to say, okay, I want you to just start at, 
after we'd all gone to bed and go through all night long and start in the morning, which is a great thing to be able to configure in the client. That was a real positive in the Backblaze service. Um, okay, what about photographers who are producing like way more content than is likely to work on online backup? So I, I'm talking about people who are producing like a lot of video training, for example, on a consistent basis, or maybe they have a lot of video output that they're doing on YouTube with tons of episodes or things like that. So they're they're producing uh, a large quantities of content that would even fill up these raid arrays really fast and aren't likely to work as far as syncing to the cloud. How how can uh, well for is that a, a problem? Are there do, do you think that there are online, especially in the U.S., uh, providers that would sustain something like that? Be able to be a, an option for Backblaze? Well, one of the things that you see now is well, first of all, um, for those types of individuals, it's cloud backup still works. There's just different pathways to get the data to uh, the service. Okay. So, for example, for us, if if you're that type of user, we highly recommend Backblaze B2 um, because it provides you much more flexibility in how you can manage that situation. With Backblaze B2, we have something called a Fireball, which is a 40 terabyte RAID system, which is a Synology box, actually. And you can, for $500, you can rent it for a week or two and bring it to your uh, location, your working location, your office, copy over all the files that you want and then send it over to us and we'll upload it off of our very robust local network into our data center. And that will go straight into your account. It's encrypted. It requires user ID and password that only you, the user set. It's very secure. Um, and by and large is very fast. You know, there's, there's an old adage that, um, no bandwidth will be ultimately as fast as a FedEx plane. Right? The, <laughs> right. the, the capacity that a FedEx plane has, if you filled it with drives, is going to far exceed any network, yeah. um, you know, or fiber optic cable that you're going to have currently. That may change over time, but you know that's why you still see services like Backblaze providing these seating services for large capacity data transfers. Yeah. Okay, so that's good. That's good information for photographers. Again, this is a place I have not hit. I'm not producing that kind of content where uh, it's tough to like syncing over my personal home internet connection has been awesome ever since I got the full thing synced out there. Uh, that eight months time frame that well, I was you know in 2014. Ever since uh, it's syncing pretty much every night and catching up. I don't need any more time than that. So the initial sync took a while, but uh, now that it's synced. I'm the content I'm producing is small enough that it fits very well, even over a home con internet connection. And if there's much bigger needs than that, then check out that B2, B2 service. How you said it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very and good. that's, and that's, you can activate that from any personal backup account as well. So, okay. and that comes with like 10 gigabytes of free storage. So there's all kinds of benefits with having it. Even if you're not using it fully, you can just experiment with it and see what it's all about. Okay. All right. Next question. We've seen a lot of personal cloud storage vendors kind of either die or have to really change their licensing model over the past 12 months. There's been some big players out there, uh, like some of the big ones, the those that were, were offering unlimited or really large quantities of storage, even for free, have changed their licensing models. You have like Google and uh, Amazon and some of those big guys had to do it. They had to change their pricing models. They were offering too much storage for too little money and it, it wasn't working. They were losing too much money. Or you had some of the others, other styles that are actual cloud backup providers. We're going to talk about the difference of that in just a second. 
Um, but like uh, Crash Plan was a, another very, very popular service. Uh, considered a, a pretty decent alternative or competitor to Backblaze. It was it offered a lot of uh, similar features and functions and was a nice option. Um, but they recently announced they're doing away with their home service. And uh, so my question is, is there something different that Backblaze is doing to make it possible for you to offer a relatively inexpensive cloud backup service? And how do we know you're going to be here in a few years? Yeah. So our CEO wrote, you know, a, a blog post a while back in like 2011 when Mosey was exiting the unlimited uh, backup yeah, space uh-huh. and, um, that's no longer around. And, you know, several years later, you know, we're still providing unlimited backup. Um, so how is it that we can offer that? Well, our system is designed, uh, with custom storage pods and, uh, a cloud storage file system, which is, widely considered to be the lowest cost in the industry. And it's a bootstrap business from the beginning. So we're not beholden to anybody else. We're a profitable company and we've built a culture of efficiency. So, you know, this is the DNA that's continued to be a a critical uh, step in keeping our costs low and uh, making unlimited a sustainable uh, component of our business. So, you know, like with 10 years in the business now, we have over 350 petabytes of data stored and we have 20 billion files stored, restored, excuse me. We've helped people restore 20 billion files. Um, and while others have been limiting storage, Backblaze has been making it easier and faster to back up. Um, and it, I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's good to know. So the, the, uh, the future looks very bright for Backblaze. It, it doesn't seem like you're headed for any significant changes. The, the operating model is one that's uh, profitable and, and it looks like it's, it's going to be around for a while then. Yep. Yeah. That's a, a big piece of mind. Um, I, I, the unfortunate part is now you have people like, like when crash plan changes things like this, all of a sudden, now you have photographers who may have spent, like I did, an eight-month time frame <laughs> to sync something up, and getting back there is uh, is really painful to think that you, you're going to have that kind of time frame to do it. Now, this wasn't in the list of questions, but isn't there an option? That, don't you have some kind of a service where a customer could send to you a drive? Not your uh, not the, the one we talked about with the Synology box that you, got, you can rent out in that, but can't they send you a drive to kind of seed their backup? Not for the personal backup, okay. not to date. Um, you know, one thing I, I will add that we haven't talked about is that on the flip side is if you're in a situation where you need uh, your data fast um, and you don't have the patience or you don't have the time to wait for the download to happen, we do provide data. Uh, drive resource with thumb drives and external drives that can be sent to you. Right. So it's a little bit of the opposite of what you're asking, but it's still somewhat related, I guess. Yeah, I actually saw that. I, I did have a, a drive fail um, and I went and I, I actually just did the download option because I wasn't in a massive hurry and uh, it was cheaper to do that. So I downloaded the massive, massive file that, that I needed and then was able to extract it and, and get all, or sorry, uh, just copy it over to a new drive. And I didn't lose a thing with the, with the backup I had, but I did see the option as I was going to do the restore saying, this looks like it's going to be a lot of data. You sure you want to do it this way or do you want us to send you a drive? So yeah, that's, it's really cool that that option's there. Yeah, it, it's a nice add on to the online download. Cause if you need a specific file, cause when you sure. realize that your data is lost, you're realizing this because there's a specific file you need now 
And so the web, the web download function is incredibly useful for that. But if you have a much broader, uh, set of data that's been lost, then having the thumb drive or a hard drive sent to you can be a, a big time saver. Okay, let's go to the last question here. And that's, it's the one that you added, which I really like, because this is a, I think it's a very confusing pe- thing to people. When we talk about in our, our Facebook group or listeners contact me, there's questions always about, well, can't I use Dropbox for this? Or can't I use OneDrive? And sure you can, but there's kind of a difference in how those things work. So what differences, why don't you walk through kind of your definition of sync versus backup versus storage? Sure. So, you know, a lot of the things that we hear from people is that like I'm backed up and then they quickly realize that they're not. And there's a lot of confusing terminology out there as to like why people have this misconception. And so it's important to define these things. So sync is often associated with syncing data from a folder for like example, Dropbox, iCloud, OneDrive, Box, Google Drive. These are focused more specifically on one area of your hard drive, certain files. And that is a very limited backup solution and one not to become complacent about. Backup, on the other hand, is what we're talking about with Backblaze personal backup, um, transferring data, new or recently changed files in the background to the cloud in another location. And um, as I said, you know, Backblaze cloud backup fits that exactly. Cloud storage, on the other hand, is a more robust solution where many services will store their data. Data can live solely on the services as they design for as they're designed for high availability and durability. And these services typically provide like APIs and uh, command line interfaces and access points for individuals and developers to tie in their cloud storage offerings directly. So for example, examples of these services include Backblaze B2, Amazon S3, um, and they often provide the most robust solution, but also a little bit more of the ha- of a hands-on. Um, and the backup and the cloud storage components of it, excuse me, sync and the backup components of it um, are a little bit more automated in, and in the background. So um, understanding the difference between these types of services is critical uh, to align your backup strategies to your needs. And it's never fun to learn that the difference between these services uh, don't meet what you want them to do after you've experienced data loss and quickly realize you're not 100% covered. So I've uh, I've provided a URL for you to one of our more popular blog posts about this that goes into this in more detail. And uh, it's definitely worth brushing up your knowledge on, even if you think you know it well, uh, to make sure that you're really on the same page uh, to have all your data set up for recovery if something bad happens. All right. Okay, so yeah, you know, the this distinction in my mind, as I go through those, at least between the first two between sync and backup, the sync services like your Google Drive, Amazon, uh, uh, let's see, Box or uh, Dropbox, their, their real purpose is to make it so that you can have files accessible to you anywhere, you can either transfer files between computers, or you can be anywhere in the world that has an internet connection and get to your files. That's kind of more what they're for than it is as a backup service. They're also way more expensive when you get into the larger file sizes or storage requirements. So when you have four terabytes of information that you want to save out there, you should go do the cost analysis. In fact, that's an article I'm working on for improvephotography.com. I'm going to have some information on the cost analysis between these different providers so you can see just how expensive it is. So if that's your backup solution today and it's working for you, great, because that's the most important thing is make sure, make sure you're doing some backup. Um, but 
It can get more expensive as you continue to grow. And like Jim just had talked about, it can't, it, it doesn't really serve the purpose of, uh, like it takes more discipline just because you put your files down into a specific folder in your computer and then it, it, it you, you are going to have it sync through those clients, like the Dropbox client. There's problems that can happen from that. Um, it's, it's just not as, as good a solution as a cloud provider that actually does backup instead of sync. So it's there. a much narrower solution. Yeah. Much narrower is a good way to put it. All right. So those are the eight or well, seven questions that <laughs> we wanted to go through on this episode. One quick note, Jim, I love the reports that you guys do on the hard drives and the ones that you're using and their failure rates and that kind of stuff. It's just, it appeals to the geeky heart of mine <laughs> and I love yeah. it because it helps me to choose what drives I'm going to go buy. I, yeah, we just had one come out yesterday did. actually. Yeah. And I, I just love it. I wish I had that data from the other big players out there so that we could really get a good amount of data on what kind of drives. It's interesting to watch because some of the drive vendors, it's not that the vendors are bad always like this, like Seagate or Western Digital is a bad provider of disks. It's specific models seem to really struggle. And I love that we have that data. So I'm like, oh boy, I am avoiding that model. That is not good. <laughs> so anyway, really, really cool information. I love it. All right, awesome. that's that's it for all this episode. Thanks so much for joining me, Jim. I, I'm really glad that you did. And I hope it's been helpful for uh, the listeners out there. I hope you get a sense for how important backup is and kind of some ways that you can approach doing it. Love to hear your feedback in the Facebook groups, especially if you have questions that I can try to answer. I, I can't get to you like individually and specifically and try to like actually help you through the process, but give you generic pointers or general ideas on, on kind of where to go for it if, if you want to. And you can enjoy you can join that Facebook group by uh, searching for Improve Photography Podcast on uh, in Facebook and go to Ask to Join. We had to do that to keep like the spammers out. And uh, so it means you're going to have to answer a question about a host, the name of a host on the on the Improved Photography Network, and it could be any one of us. I'm Jeff Harmon, and or you can say Jim Harmer, or you can mix the names because I know they're really close, uh, or any of the others. Um, be sure to check out some of the other podcasts on the network too. Um, there's some really good stuff coming from Latitude for travel photography, Portrait Session for portrait work, and the Improved Photography Roundtable podcast that's every week. Um, and head over to the mothership that is improvephotography.com. We'd love to have you go check out the articles. We've got some really good writers that are producing lots of content and you can look for my article that coming out soon that compares the costs, um, with the different cloud providers for backup purposes. Uh, you can email topics to the show. If you want to hear something specific, you can, uh, message through Instagram on fo at photo taco podcast on Instagram or through email photo taco podcast at gmail.com. No questions too basic or too complicated. I may have an expert like Jim come on the show and, uh, we'd love to have you offer suggestions. All right. Thanks again, Jim. So glad to have you on the show and honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!